Hello, glad you're joining us today. Uh, we're here at a empty church because we're at lockdown again, but I'm glad to be able to still present the message today uh, via um, Facebook and YouTube and doing it via the internet. Today's topic is one that people like to avoid. It's something that we want to pretend it's not there because it's, it's a hard one to face. Um, we experience um, a lot of emotion when we lose someone and they die. And so I just really want to give you hope. And uh, I know it's a sensitive topic for many. And maybe before we start, I'd just like to offer a, a word of prayer. Dear God, we just thank you for your word. I thank you that you're the creator of life, you're the sustainer of life, and ultimately you offer us eternal life. Lord, I pray for anyone that's listening today that's um, facing this subject very in a personal way, whether it's someone they love, someone they know, or even themselves. I pray that you will give them hope and give them comfort and give them strength through your word today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember many years ago after my wife and I got married, um, Karen said, we need to have life insurance. And it was something I avoided for a long time, and she reminded me quite a few times before I finally did it, because I didn't want to think about it. We all just want to pretend it's not there and hoping we'll never have to face it. But there's one thing certain in life, the saying goes, is taxes and death. We all have to face it. Sometimes we have to face it sooner than we'd like. But it is a reality of the life we live in. What is life and what is death? What happens when you die? Where do you go? Do you go to heaven? Do you go to hell? Do you go to purgatory? Do you just go into the grave? What happens? Can we still have contact with people after they die? If you do, how do you do that? Do you do it through um, a, um, someone that's a seance or a hypnotist or a UFO club? Or someone who's a witch, you know, there's lots of people that claim they can talk to the dead. But what we're going to look at today is what are the truths that come from the Bible? What does the Bible say about life and death? And we're going to look at the facts and see what it says. So we're going to start out by looking at... Um, the enemy here in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy to destroy is death. You know, death, it's a scary thing. Life is great. But death isn't so great because it seems like a real ending. The story's told about two boys. One was five years old and one was three. And one night when the father was putting him to bed and said their prayers and he said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die 
And, and it goes on. And as he finished, he was walking out of the room and the five-year-old boy asked, Dad, what is it like to die? And the dad wasn't sure how to answer. And he just said, it's dark. And then he turned out the light and shut the door and walked out. The five-year-old sobbed most of the night. And the three-year-old lay awake and never forgot it. Death can be pretty scary. The father was right. Death is dark. And as we look at what Scripture says, we're going to see what really happens when you die. So we go back to Genesis. In Genesis, we look at how God created life. Because really, death is, is the reverse of life. So what makes life? Well, we find in Genesis 2, 7, Then the Lord God formed man, from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. We have two things here that makes a living person. First, the dust of the ground. God made man from the ground. And of course, we all know that once you die, you, you decay, you, you go back to dust and dirt. And the other thing that makes a living person is the breath of life. So God came down and formed man. And, and this is the beauty because we're the, the um, crown of his creation, the human beings. He created this world and the animals and all the other things. And he did it all by speaking. But God actually got down and formed man with his own hands. He made man, all the complexities of our body, all the systems and the organs, and he made it, and then he breathed, breathed the breath of life, and they became living person. And of course, that first person was Adam. And so there's two things here that make a living person. You've got the, the body, and then you've got the breath, the breath of life. So two things, body plus breath equals a living person. Now when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, the enemy of death was introduced to this world. God created human beings to live forever. It was never his intention for them to have to experience death. But death is a result of sin. Sin separated us from, from God, the creator of life, the sustainer of life, and uh, this death separates us all from God. And we find when Eve was tempted by the serpent, which we know was the devil who entered the serpent and lured Eve over and began trying to persuade her to disobey God's command to eat from this tree. And Eve said, well, God said we shouldn't eat from this tree. She said, he said we would die. And we have this first lie that we find in the Bible where the devil says you won't die. Now that was certainly not truth, but the serpent mixes truth with error and convinced Eve that her eyes would be open, that she would know good from bad, which is true. 
once she sinned, she certainly had a new perspective on life and death and everything. And she didn't die on, on the spot, but from that moment when she ate that fruit, she began the dying process. She actually lived um, a very long life, but she began the dying process. And then once Adam and Eve died and their children died, what happened to them? Well, did they go to heaven? Did they go to hell? Or did they just go to the ground? On Genesis 3 and verse 19, it says, You were made from the dust, and the dust you will return. So we have this... um, separation of the breath, the breath of life, and the body, and you no longer have a living person. So you need the two. An illustration of that would be like a light bulb. If you have a light globe and you have electricity going to it, you have light. You take away the current, the electricity, you have a, a light globe, but you don't have any light. If you take away the globe and just have the current, you have no light. And it's that way with life. To be a living being, you need those two things. You need the body and you need the breath, the breath of life. Ecclesiastes tells us a lot about death. There's a lot of things that we can learn about what happens when you die. And here in chapter 12, verse 7, it says, For then the dust will return to the earth, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Now here we have a very um, important point as we look at this subject, and that is this word spirit. A lot of people put a lot more into the word spirit than what's really there. Somehow thinking the spirit is some sort of form of a person that has some uh, consciousness, is able to think and able to make decisions. But again, remember the two things that we need for a living being is we need a body and we need the breath. And if we look at the word spirit, that's the word that we translate to English. But if you go back to the Hebrew, which the Old Testament was written in, the word there is the same word used for air or breath. And if you go to the uh, Greek, the word for spirit is pneumo, which is like pneumonia or um, pneumatic tires, again, meaning air or breath. So spirit simply means air or breath. So when we die, our body returns to the dirt, the dust that it was made from, and our spirit, which is the breath The breath of life returns to God who gave it. So why is it that we have to experience death? Well, because we are all sinners. The Bible tells us we have all sinned. There's only one that has lived without sin, and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came and lived the perfect life to save us from our sins. But all of us, other than Jesus have sinned, and therefore we face death and we will die. 
the price we owe for death, sorry, the, the price we owe for sin is death. That's the wage that we're all owing. But Jesus came. He paid our debt for us. He paid our wage in our place. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Going back to Ecclesiastes, we've got some more insights about what happens when you die. It says here, the living at least know they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, nor they remembered. Whatever they did in their lifetime, loving, hating, envying is long gone. They no longer play a part in anything here on this earth. So Ecclesiastes makes it quite clear that what happens when we die is it goes dark. We know nothing. We're not able to think. We're not able to make any decisions. We basically are gone. As we read on in verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 10, it says, Whatever you do, do well. Because for when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. So it makes it quite clear that after we die, we don't go to some place, whether it's purgatory or hell or heaven. We're, we're, we're not anywhere. We're, we basically cease to exist. And Psalms even tells us that the dead cannot sing praises to the Lord for they have gone into the silence of the grave. Again, explaining that the grave is a place where we just, the breath goes back to God and the, the body goes back to dust and we know nothing. Jesus himself described death like a sleep. In John chapter 11, we have the story of one of Jesus' good friends named Lazarus. And Lazarus died. Well, he got sick and then he died and they came to Jesus trying to get him to come. And Jesus kind of took his time and they were quite upset because he was so slow that Lazarus died, his friend And here in verses 11 to 14, it says, Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Now, he had already died, but Jesus refers to death here as a sleep. And he says, Now I will go and wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will will soon get better. But they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. And so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So here we see Jesus not fearing or not referring to death as the end, but simply like a sleep. And it's a great way to think of death. I know um, in 2006, I lost my dear mother. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard when you lose someone that's close to you, and I miss her dearly. But it's great comfort for me to know that she's just asleep Her body's gone back to the the ground, to the dust. Her breath has gone back to, to, to God. But it's like a sleep. And the Bible, as we're gonna see shortly, tells us that once again, God's gonna have that breath and reunite it with the body. 
and my mom will have life again. And it's like that breath of life is, you know, God has got the DNA. He's got the, the microchip there that's got all the information, all the things that makes my mom's character. And I have no doubt that she will be able to be alive again. Not because she deserves it, because she too is a sinner, just like you and me, but because she trusted in Jesus. What a great hope we have in Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells us some things about what happens when you die. And, and, and you might wonder, you know, many people think that, yeah, we die, we, we go to heaven, or we go to hell. You know, where does this teaching come from that somehow we have some sort of immortality? You know, do, do, are, are us humans able to have immortality? Are we able to live forever? Well, the Bible makes it clear that we don't, that we have to experience death and here in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God. And first, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. So here is describing when Jesus comes back the second time. The first time Jesus came, he came as a baby. He lived the perfect life. He suffered the horrible death. And he was buried, and he was, he was resurrected, and then he ascended back to heaven. And then he's, gonna, he's promised he's going to come back. And here is describing when he comes back. And when he comes back, the first thing that's going to happen is those Christians, those who have died knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior, will be resurrected. People like my mother. Many of you know people who have died, who have trusted Jesus. And we can have a certainty that we will see those people. They'll be part of that. And then those who are still alive, like you and me, if we're still alive, if we haven't experienced death before Jesus comes, then we will go up with him to meet the Lord, the Lord and to remain um, with him forever. You know, what a great promise. What great hope we have. But, you know, what's crept into the church, and this happened, um, you know, around the fourth, fifth, sixth century, is that these false teachings have come into the church. And, you know, some of the things like the Sabbath, you know, the Sabbath is, is something that's grounded in Scripture. It goes back to creation. God created the world in six days, and he rested on the seventh day. He sanctified it. But yet, back in um, the, the, the church, over a gradual time, the Sabbath was... was, was um, made not to be an important, and it was changed. And they, um, Constantine and um, some other things happened that, that made these changes that brought in um, Christianity, combining with pagan practices, and these things crept into the church. And the same things happen with what happens when you die. This, this concept that you, you go straight to heaven and somehow you're already in heaven. And here it makes it clear that, that, that Jesus is coming back and we're going to be resurrected. We're not already in heaven with him. This is the truth of Scripture. This is what Scripture tells us. We, we are not immortal. If we, if we go straight to heaven and we continue to live, somehow we're, we're, we're immortal. But God says we're not. Here Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 15, 
But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. And it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living also will be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. So our bodies do have to experience death or at least they'll be heading towards death if, if we're still alive when Jesus comes. And our mortal bodies, bodies must then be transformed into immortal bodies. So we will have immortality, but it will come after Jesus comes back. That's the truth of Scripture. And this is the good news. And I want to encourage you not to be um, discouraged by this. I know that many of you uh, have maybe been brought up being taught that, you know, the loved ones, the people you know who have died are already in heaven, and, and sometimes that can be a bit hard to uh, accept. But it is quite a, a peaceful thing to know that they're just like asleep, and if they've died knowing Jesus, they're going to be resurrected on that day when Jesus comes back. What a great hope we have. What a reassuring thing. Next week, I'm going to be sharing with you about hell. Is hell a place? The title next week is Hell on Earth. We're going to look at whether there is a, a place called hell and what it's going to be like. And I want to encourage you to join me next week as we look at this topic because it's very much related about this. You know, when we die, do we go to heaven? Do we go to hell? And as we just looked at death, we just go... Back to the ground, our breath goes back to God. But is there a, you know, the Bible talks about hell. Where is it and what is it? And we're going to look at that next week. But I want to end with a couple of really positive promises. And here in John 14 is the great promise where Jesus says to his disciples, not long before he died on the cross for us, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so... Would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything's ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You know, Jesus longs to be with us. The reason God created us human beings is he wanted to have a loving relationships with us. He wanted someone to love and to love him back. And Jesus came because he loved us so much and he died to save us. Why? So he could be with us again. That's his desire. And None of us have to miss out because it's a free gift. And as I bring up the rest, we looked at the first half of this verse earlier, which said the wages of sin is death. But that verse goes on. But the free gift, free gift, does that mean I have to do anything to earn it? No. If, it's, if I had to do anything to earn it, it wouldn't be free. The only thing I do is accept Jesus, the eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I hope that that's a decision you've made. And if you haven't made that, I want to just urge you to make a decision for Jesus. Invite him into your heart. Have a relationship with him. And trust that you don't need to fear death because through Jesus, we all get the free gift of eternal life. And the last verse I want to share, it goes back to the last book in the Bible. And here's a great promise in Revelation 21.4. 
written by John. And it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. What a great hope we have. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you loved us so much. You came to save us from the curse of sin, the separation from God. And because of that, we have to face death. But Lord, we don't need to fear death because it's only like a sleep. If we trust in Jesus, if we know him, we can look forward to a time when we don't have any more death, no more pain, no more sorrow. Lord, may we cling to that. And may you help those today who are experiencing um, the effects of death, whether um, someone close to them or maybe themselves facing uh, a bit of a, a bad diagnosis or um, just struggling with life. We just thank you that you promised to never leave us and never forsake us. And may we keep looking to Jesus for hope until we see that day as you promised that you will come again. And you're going to raise those up who are dead in Christ, those Christians who have died. And those who are still alive will go up to join them, and they'll go up to be with the Lord forever. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.